Greetings in the wonderful name of Jesus. Thank you so much for slotting into dynamicministries.com and uh, listening to the message of God's unconditional love that God has placed upon my heart for you. The passion that is in my heart is to share this message of eternal life, the message of what God has done for man, with man, so that we can partake in the life that God has intended for us. The greatest thing that I found in the gospel is that we can share in God's quality of life. Now today I'm going to talk about why the law robs you from eternal life. How does the dynamic there work? I realize the better we understand these things uh, the, and the more we understand the consequences of the law and the consequences or the effect of being loved, the more our hearts naturally yield to a grace and to what God has given for us. You know, if I look at the church, um, you know, worldwide, and I look at the grace move, if you want to call it that, which I actually believe um, is not just a move, but I've got my doubts to a certain degree. I think in some places it's just a move for some people, uh, you know, where we see grace as something that came in, made us excited, and then after that we are now taking up our responsibility to live right, do right, because we are loved. You know, last night I put something on Facebook. I said, you know, if I go to Helena and I say to her, Helena, you know, I love you, and because I love you, you'll clean better than what the maid does, you know, in this house, with whom I don't have a relationship the way I have with you. You are my wife. You're the one I love. You're the one I care for. You own all these things, and because of that, you will clean better than what she does. And... um so uh, get busy cleaning, uh, you know, and, and just remember I love you. That would be so, so bad for our relationship. It would break our relationship because it is a truth administered in a way that cannot produce life. You know, it is true that when you are loved and when you are under the influence of love, that you will even give your life for something. It is so empowering that you will always be able to do more than what you would do under manipulation and control. It is a truth. But should I come and minister that as the empowerment to get, uh, empowerment to get people to do that, or live that holier life, you have robbed the person from the very power of that truth. Uh, You know, for me to say, you will give more money under grace than what you would do under the law, and then go and say, you know, under the law we had to give 10%, you know, is just going to rob people from generosity. Because the moment you do that, freedom is taken away. Because immediately there is, well, this is what grace is going to do, and it's up to me to do that. You cannot do it. You cannot. You know, under grace, you can give your life. Jesus was under grace, and he was rich, and he became poor. 
so that we through his poverty might be made rich. And then it says, let this grace also be in you. Now, what, what does it say? It says, be under the same influence that would cause this thing to be in Jesus' life where he would give his life. The idea is not to say, bear this fruit because you are under grace. That is legalism. That is the voice of Satan. Uh, you know, and I, I just feel, and I've got such a thing in my heart, when I look at the church, uh, uh, church, I, I, and I, I could have put up the message that was preached on Sunday, but I just felt that I wanted to make this in my studio, sharing it with you, because I don't want you to uh, fall into legalism and be tricked again, you know, by the subtlety of the enemy into legalism. You know, we cannot uh, uh, embrace the voice of Satan. If you go and look at uh, Matthew 4, was Jesus the Son of God? Yes, Jesus was the Son of God. What was the voice of Satan? If you are the Son of God, then take the stone and make it a bread. If you are the Son of God, look what the Scripture says the angels will do to the Son of God. Jump down the temple. You know, and you will not bash your foot against the stone. You know, and, and so many things, you know, where, where Satan comes and he uses, uh, you know, the truth and very cleverly uh, um, includes human effort and the law to manifest that truth. I spoke to Nico and he preached uh, on this, this message on Sunday and we will still upload this um, in audio form. But what he said was, if you look at um, Saul, Saul was in the, in the uh, chasing after David and David was in the desert and he was um, you know, in the cave there and uh, Saul was in the cave and, they were, and, and then Saul was asleep and then they said to David, David, you are king, uh, Kill this soul, you know, and so many times in our life there is a soul. There's something that's haunting us. And when we are in the desert, it is normally the place where you don't see fruit. Uh, you know, when the, when the Israelites came out of Egypt, there was a, a desert period. Uh, and in that desert period, they only lived off the manna. It was only the manna that fell from heaven. That was the only thing they could partake of. There was nothing they could produce. There was nothing they planted. There was nothing that would come forth. It was just, it looks as if we're going to die. It looks as if what was promised is not true. And uh, we see that in grace. We see in grace that God comes and says, I take you out of legalism and I shall bring forth my quality of life in you. And if there is a time and a place where you don't see that fruit and you become hungry for that fruit, that's when temptation sets in. And the same thing with David. David said, I'm not going to use even the right that I have as king to kill Saul, but rather let God bring an end to his life. You know, I'm using my own words, you know, and God has made me king and then I shall be. In the very same way, when we get tempted in the desert time, you know, maybe you look at your um, ability to uh, to give, your generosity, and I, I especially want to touch on the finances, I want to touch on, on, on church commitment, I want to touch on, um, you know, uh, loving your wife and your children, those kind of practical things today. You know, when you, when you go out and you say, well, 
Look, looking at giving, I, I, got, I became part of the, the, the grace uh, gospel. I believe the grace gospel. And all of a sudden, you know, for a certain period of time, I see that I am angry. You know, I'm still living a bit from rebellion. Uh, I'm not living under the real grace. I still feel angry about it. It's almost like I said to the one person, it's like, you know, if uh, a, a guy's wife finds out that the husband was cheating on the wife for two years and now the truth comes, it's not as if she says, oh, glory to God. I'm so glad the truth has come out. Let's be intimate and let's have kids together. No, there's a time of anger. There's a time when I'm disappointed and then there's a time when she must realize that this is over and uh, let's look forward and expect something good if she doesn't divorce him. And uh, I think that happens in the church many times. We realize the truth. We realize we've been manipulated, controlled and all those kind of things. And then there's a time of anger. And in that time of anger, the worst thing any preacher can do and the worst thing you can do is in that time to force fruit and to say well you know if you've really forgiven your husband you know then you will uh, uh, make love to him right now and you will bear his children you will continue as if nothing has happened listen the lady might have forgiven her husband but she's working through some things and a good life must always come from a a heart that's overwhelmed with a revelation of good and truth. Otherwise, it's just a fake. It's not the real thing. Now, what I want to say by this is, if you in your life, let's, let's take uh, finances for instance. And I want to just say this as a foundation here that you can know that I'm not against giving at all. Dynamic Love Ministries runs off the donations that people give. The, the fact that I can make this broadcast today is people gave. Um, I went and I, I went to Durban and I, I ministered at a church there that w- wasn't um, at a place financially to pay for all my stuff. I did it on my cost. Um, we, we, we're going to Zambia, you know, we went to uh, Rhodes. We, we, I mean, all these places we go to, it is made possible by people's generosity that give towards this ministry. So, um, and I live, you know, off this gospel. In other words, people give to my ministry. They like what they hear, they feel in their heart to give, and they give. So I'm not against the, the, the system that a preacher can be preaching full-time because people give towards him. Uh, I, I, I'm, not, I, I'm not against that. I see it in scripture. To me, it's very clear. Um, I don't think you, you must manipulate and subtly manipulate people to, to get that. It must be a freedom from people's hearts. So I just want to say that. Okay, so now from the perspective of a person that does live by the donations people give, I want to say this. You don't give if you feel manipulated. You don't do that. Because that will rob you from this process that God, that you are in, in being set free. Because the moment you take your eyes off how much God loves you, you feel you are indebted to God. And now you start to look at the fruit and the enemy comes in and tells you, well, if you are under grace... Then do this and this and this. The moment you do that, death has entered, for you are now under the law. Now, let me explain the law. 
Um, the law is the principle that says that I can attain unto the quality of life Jesus possesses by copying that life. Now, I want to say that again. It, you know, in, in years of studying grace and uh, studying the law and the fall of man and what Christ has done for us and uh, really coming to an understanding of the Trinity and our union in the Godhead and those kind of things, I've come to this conclusion that the law is, uh, um, the law that kills man is when you look at God and you look at his life and you try to live that life. Now, what Satan said to Adam, he said to Adam, Adam, you can have God's life. That is, if you study this thing out, that's what basically boils down to. You can have God's quality of life by knowing what's right and wrong and doing the right thing. So he was not saying that you cannot have life. He was not saying to him you must die. He was actually, um, how can I say this, um, spurring him on, you know. Uh, he tried to get him to have the life of God. But the foundation was different. The foundation was not you have that life because that life is in you. The, the foundation was look at what life is and if you say that you are now created by God, if you say that you have knowledge, if you say you have the ability to do something, if you say that you are in the image and likeness of God, then do that life. That's how Adam died. That's how he tempted Jesus. He said to Jesus, Jesus, if you are the Son of God, and since he was the Son of God, what Jesus heard was, well, the Son of God does have authority to do these things. The Son of God can do these things. But now he was in a, t in a place where he wasn't seeing any of these things. And when he wasn't seeing any of these things, the voice of the enemy came and say, produce these things since you are the Son of God. And the, that was the key in Killing Jesus. Now, if you are in a place where you are not bearing fruit, I can come to you and I can say to you, listen, should you be under grace, this is the kind of fruit that grace will produce in you. So don't settle for having no fruit, but say that my body and my life is available for God to produce that fruit. And don't fall into the trap by saying, well, you know, I'm now going to produce this. I am now going to do this. I'm now going to, um, you know, because if I'm under grace, then I will do more than what I've done when I was under the law. It is a truth. But it is a truth twisted in a satanic way that can kill people. And I don't say people that say that. I've said that in myself before. Um, I don't say people that say that are from the devil or Satan himself. I'm just saying that that is the thought pattern of the devil. And it will kill the church. The number one thing that I see that, that kills the church is when Church people try to build the kingdom of God. 
Jesus established His kingdom. The kingdom of God is at hand, is already here. We are declaring the kingdom that has been established. And all these visions and stuff, not that I say you cannot have a vision, not that I say you cannot, I mean I do have a vision. I have something in my heart that says, I want to reach as many people as possible. I want to see, you know, um, the, the website, go to a place where we can reach thousands and thousands of people in different languages languages and whatever. You know, that is something that's in my heart, something that I know shall come true. And in the time when I say, this is what I feel I want to do, and I don't see it come forth, I'm not going to let the enemy come to me and say to me, Bertie, you see, if that is true, and if God has called you, do it. If you're under grace, do more than what you did under the law. You know, under the law, I led uh, uh, about 400,000 people to Jesus face to face. And... Um, in that system, I got, and not just under the law, it was early days of grace as well. I led 400,000 people to Jesus. And um, I got so hurt and so abused in that time by people, because a lot of time you'll preach in poor areas, and, and these people will just abuse you for money and all those kind of things. And I was not mature enough to handle that. And I got hurt. It was difficult for me when I would go to, um, to a church uh, group, a network, you know, in Africa, and help that network, and we would preach together and go from uh, 17 churches to 120 churches, and uh, spend all my money, all my time, time away from my family, and all those kind of things, and give my life, you know, for that, to the point that, um, you know, even in my family, you know, I could find between Helena and I and the kids, I'm never there. You know, my son, my older son would start to uh, behave wrong and all those kind of things when he was still young, three years of age or four years of age. But, you know, because the father's not at home. You know, I went through all of that and then hearing um, after helping with all those churches that the head pastor, after I preached grace, would stand up and say, well, don't really, you don't really have to believe everything he says, you know, he's from a different culture and this whole thing he teaches about uh, finances and what he teaches about effortless and all those kind of things is not actually true, don't believe that. But he would smile very, very wide when I give him money and, uh, you know, help him to, uh, to plant churches and he gets money from those churches. You know, that would hurt me. And and in that hurt, I said, well, I want to move away from these uh, uh, large open air gospel outreaches and kind of thing. And But in my heart, sorry, there's a hair <laughs> floating here in front of my eyes and it's just frustrating. Um, so, so I would just sit there and say, oh God, this has hurt me. And um, the enemy came to me and I felt, well, this is, I felt I'm not going to preach anymore because my heart's not right. Because I found when I would go and preach at a place that I am so um, pre-programmed that this guy is going to abuse me, that I was actually not acting in love towards him and I was saying things and treating him based on past hurts that I have. And this is what happened. I said, Lord, I'm not going to do these open outreaches. And my passion for it was going away. Yet there was something deep in my heart that says, I want to do these things. I want to reach more people. I want to just not, not, not just reach them more on, on the web, but also face to face. Because there are people in Zambia, people in Sudan, people in uh, Pakistan, India, those places that don't have internet, that need somebody to go face to face and preach to them 
them and have a, I have a passion to ra- train up those leaders, you know, so they can go and take it. That was in my heart. And this is what I, what I said. I said, God, I know it's in my heart. And I allow you to bring it forth where I will passion, passionately love to do this and don't feel that I must. Yet, my stage and my rig, it's, it's a trailer parked right next to my office. And I've got to walk past that thing every day, you know. And I've got a nice sound system in there, um, you know, worth like you know, $8,000 and I've got a a nice stage that can, and lights and generator and whatever that can do a crowd of five or 6,000 people. I've got all of it there. And I remember getting the funds for that, people giving that. And then this hurt thing settled in and then I, I just couldn't do it anymore. And that would accuse me on a daily basis. I would walk past there and the enemy would say to me, well, you know, you see how you've fallen. You see how your passion for the lost has gone away. You see how, um, you know, if you really have a, a love for people, you will go to the bush and preach. If you're really an evangelist, go and preach. Now that you understand grace more, go and do more. I just said, Satan, I rebuke you. Satan, I rebuke you. I'm not, I don't find my life in the fruit I bear. I find my life in the word that comes from God's mouth. Glory to God. And the quickest, soonest way for that fruit to be authentic God fruit and not me saying, well, since I'm under grace, I'll do more and get busy to do more. And then in the name of grace, have a satanic system working in me. The quickest way to have the true fruit is to relax, have a heart that says, I have not been designed to live by this hurt, but I've got a God that loves me and He is busy every day working this out in my heart. And there'll come a day where I feel this is what I'm going to do and it will be God bearing His fruit for I am a son of God and God's nature is produced in me. Now, if I'm a son of God, it means I'm born of God. It means what and who God is, His ability is in me and I can do and live like God. But uh, when I see no fruit to say, because I'm like God and that is the fruit, I'm going to produce the fruit now because I'm like God, is from the devil. It is from the devil. And I want to encourage you and I want to encourage preachers not to give up on the gospel, not to give up on the truth, um, you know, because of a lack of seeing fruit. We don't change our gospel because people don't live right when we preach our gospel. Now, I do believe that our gospel does bear fruit and we will see fruit in our life. You know, I found people have got a lot more and, and they've got a lot more patience with somebody maybe not having enough patience. Um, they've got a lot more patience with somebody that maybe struggles a little bit with, um, you know, watching too much news. And they will say, they will not say anything. They will just say, my brother, just pray, let God sort it out. You know, God will bring forth a new thing. Make it a a prayer matter. Have an expectation for God to bring forth a change in your life. Make your need known to God. God will help you. But when it comes to money, oh no, we're not going to wait for God to work out something for you. You're going to get busy today. And what happens is, God's people... 
never really get free. You know, I want to say this, and I'm becoming fleshly now in saying this, because fleshly means you look at the fruit and then you want to base the truth on the fruit to a certain degree here. And Paul calls that also fleshliness, being in the flesh. Now I want to become fleshly. You know, I've got no debt. I've got no debt, and I buy my car's cash. The, 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 uh, I don't buy the newest car. I've got contentment. I've got unending uh, 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 um, contentment that's grabbed the whole of my heart, a patience that's in me that's only God-born. But the other day, yesterday, or the day before I spoke to a businessman, I said to him, you know what? If I really look at my life, it's really, in the physical world, it was like, I've awakened and saw this. I, I wasn't really aware of all of this. I've got no debt. I don't pay a doctor's bill. That's for free. My dentist is for free. And I even met the guy now that's a, 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 a you know, a, what do you call it, a, a veterinarian who help with, my, with the dogs. I've got a plumber that does stuff for me for free. I mean, I've never asked for any of these things. Um... I love such a good life. But I've never, you know, there was a time when I felt I'm dying. I don't have money, man. I'm struggling. But in that time, you know, a voice came to me and said to me, tell these people that they should become givers and tell them that when they are under grace, they must start to become generous and all those kind of things. And while that pressure was on me, you know, when I was thinking I'm going to close my ministry because I don't have any money. This is five years ago, four years ago. Um, and I even have people prophesying about me saying, you know, Bertie Brits doesn't preach on the tithe and he's going to go bankrupt, thus saith the Lord. And I'm losing everything. You know, it's just going so bad. You know, you think of this and you think of the humiliation because of this prophetic word that's out that's going to come of my life because it looks as if I'm going to go bankrupt and whatever. And I was sitting and I was spoken to Eliana. I said, I don't know what is going on. You know, is this gospel bearing fruit or not? What's going on? I just felt the Holy Spirit say to me, Bertie, you're not preaching this to have a ministry. This you preach for it is the only truth. And I, and this sounds arrogant, but this is what I felt the Lord said to me. If it's only me and you believing this, it's okay. And what I did was, I just said, God gave me a promised land and He shall bring forth that promised land. And I continue to preach this good news and I find all these things happened to my life. Now, I'm not saying to you, and this would be legalism, to say to you, listen, you know, if you want all these things, just try and believe. No. I'm telling you, belief will produce this. But the, the life is not in what it, you know, the, 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 the money you can get or, those, or, or where you can preach. The life is in knowing Jesus. And the enjoyment of that life is in the manifestation of its fruit. It is a complete package. But to rob you from that life would be to say to you, since you are now holy, go and do these things. No, no, no. Since I became the righteousness of God, I yield my members as an instrument 
of righteousness. What that means is I give over to this righteousness to produce its fruit in my life. And by one of the ways in which you do that is to, like Jesus, said no to Satan when Satan forced him to bear fruit in the very same way you say no. I'm waiting for that which is authentic and I know that he shall bear his fruit in me and I've got a great expectation for that fruit that fruit shall manifest in me and my life is not contained in the fruit I bear but my life is contained in the word he speak and that's where life will come I, I want to end off with, with, with this Jesus said you know um, or, or, or I think it was Peter, he said, with you are the words of life. You know, so with Jesus, the word of life, and this is eternal life, Jesus said, to know the Father and to know the Son. And that eternal life, that knowing there, is what John spoke about in First John. He said, he said clearly, he says, our fellowship is with the Father and with the Son. And Jesus said this, he said, um, or John said this, he says, in him was life, and that life was the illumination of man or what gives man light or another way of saying it is that life Jesus has is what takes man out of darkness and the fruit of darkness into light what is it? the life Jesus possesses now what life did Jesus possess? he found everything in his life from what the father said about him now, the life Jesus possesses is what we call today the Trinitarian life. Now, just for those of you that say, oh, Bert, he's a Trinitarian, I want to say, if you're not a Trinitarian, you repent. Because Trinitarian, according to uh, 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 the dictionary, simply means to believe in the Trinity. Now, I believe in the Trinity. I believe in the family value that is based in the Trinity. And this is the way the Trinity functions. It functions, uh, the Trinity functions from a foundation of love, where three beings love each other. This love produces belief. This belief allows the other one's influence to be born in him. And once that takes place, the other one and this one become so one that they are so born from each other that you cannot find a difference between the two. And that is the life Jesus possessed. That revelation and that life is what will enlighten you. And that revelation is definitely not the thing that says, well, since you've been now under grace, you know, you better perform. That is from the devil. And that would immediately take your eyes off who Jesus is, what Jesus is, who and what you are, unto what you need to produce. And you will start to say, well, let me produce this. And the moment you do this, you are removing yourself from the eternal God quality of life. If I tell my wife, because I love you, like I said in the beginning, you know, you will, you, you will make make me more cups of coffee than what the servant girl will do because I love you. You know, or I go to her and, and, and say she had a boyfriend, you know, and I, before me and she was engaged or married to someone else and I would say to her, listen, you know, that guy abused you and because I love you, you will serve me much better than what he served you because I love you and remember, I love you, so get busy with the serving.
the moment I utter those words, I have robbed her from all the life I could ever give her. I hope you hear this. Uh, um, You know, the law, the principle of observing fruit and trying to do that fruit because you qualify will kill you. Jesus qualified you to have the best fruit. And He wants you to bear much fruit. And He knows of yourself you can never ever do anything. That's why He's taken all the responsibility upon Him to bring forth the fruit in you. Jesus is fruitful and He shall multiply. You don't have to fret. He is not barren, neither are you. Stay intimate with Him. Like in marriage, you know, many times when I give people advice, you know, concerning, you know, maybe some people struggle to have children. um, And, you know, it's just because they are too stressed out and they only have sex twice a month. You know, you need to be intimate. And in the very same way I find it with the gospel, people are intimate with God once a month in a teaching of love, and then the rest of the month they hear on what they must do for God, and there's no intimacy but a, 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 a underlying guilt and indebtedness to God, and then they don't see any fruit. Get all guilt out of your life. Get all message that can condemn you out of your life. Get to a place where your mind is saturated with God's eternal smile over your life. Where you forever will know where every fiber of your being, your skin, your every cell in your body knows that you are the pearl of great price to God. Where you know that not just the Jews, but you are God's blue-eyed boy or He's the one he loves with a passion where your very being, the, every hair on your head knows that when God looks at you, he says, this is what I've always wanted. And he says it with a passion in him. Get to that place where you, and the only way you're going to get there is by being emerged, eating manna that fall from heaven in the desert where you see no fruit. And then you'll see it will be the quickest way for you to enter the promised land. The, the, the Pharisee, uh, not the Pharisees, the, the, the Israelites, they were so possessed. They were looking at, they were too much fruit conscious. Well, we are out of bondage now, so now I need to see the promised land. Where's the promised land? I see nothing. Oh, okay, because I see nothing, God, you're a liar. We want to go back to Egypt. And that mentality kept them in not bearing fruit and having the promise. Glory to God that we can see these things and get free. Church, church, <laughs> and pastors, I pray pastors watch this, and I do know that there are many that watch, watch my stuff on the internet. If you have heard this message, send it to your pastor, please. I want to just say this as well. I know I'm radical today, but I want to just say this. You know, I've, I've got people saying to me, Bertie, your teaching on finances is the only thing that's blocking your ministry from really spreading wildly worldwide. 
You see, I would love to have the ministry spread wild worldwide. I would love for that to happen. But what does it help? A lie gets spread wild worldwide. Or a compromise. Or a fear of saying something. Who's going to preach Jesus is the tithe? Who's going to say, look at the birds of the air? You know? I mean, somebody needs to do it. And I know there are people boldly proclaiming it. And some people are scared, you know? I mean, I've had so many doors close, you know, for, for me because of what I believe on the tithe. And people come from the outside and say, Grace Pastor's bad, and just stop to talk about the tithe, and I can open doors for you. I cannot do it. I've got a mandate from God in my heart to preach this truth and let God open the door where I need to go. And those that want to hear what I say, you know, and God is preaching their heart, they will have me and preach to them and and we will work together and we will see this gospel being spread all over the world. So I want to tell you, Pastor, maybe you're going through a bit of a hard time in your church concerning your finances uh, because you've brought in the message of grace and people are a bit hurt and they feel they want to divorce the church because they feel abused and now they've mistaken you for the one who's actually abused them and all those kind of things. Listen, just preach the love of God, love those people, bring them the true perspective on what's going on and you will see God will bring forth the fruit we're not running to Egypt when we don't see meat we wait for God to bring it forth glory to God amen that's how I how I see this so the quickest way is not to have the poison the leaven of the Pharisee into your message glory to God I want to say this, you know, maybe I'm too radical today, but I'm not here to get the praise of men. Not that I say I don't care for people, but I I do believe, you know, like if you would look at um, Braveheart, that William Wallace, (laughs) that there is a time when you say, I stand for freedom. And we have got this one chance to preach this freedom and live as free. So why? Why will we trade our freedom to be accepted by the system? You will not be free. You will not have The light of life. Take some time and let God pamper you with how you are exactly like Him. And as you hear that, let it pass from knowledge to the only truth. And when you realize that Jesus is the truth about you, He is the truth about the Father. He's the truth about your original design. And it's settled in your heart as the only truth. You shall be born of that truth in this life. And He shall bear His fruit in you. Glory to God. We don't have to take the hand of legalism. We don't have to partner with a system of, well, if you're the Son of God, do this and do that. We don't have to. 
His grace is sufficient. I think that's a good way to end this off. Paul was preaching the gospel amongst many churches. And then there was a messenger of Satan that came and followed him. This was a preacher that followed Paul. This was also the very thorn in his flesh. Um, he, he came and he preached wherever Paul would go. And they would bring Judaism to the churches where Paul preached. And they would bring back the fleshly mindset. And then Paul was basically saying to, to God, God, you know, me and you with this revelation, if it wasn't for this guy that preached the law, we could have reached the world. And then God corrected Paul's thinking. He said, Paul, I'm using my own word, success is not in how many you reach. My grace for you as a person, my influence upon your heart that you know you loved and cared for and that I live in you is enough for you. Don't try and add to the grace by saying, or what about, you know, I could have been a successful preacher in having many churches believing this truth. Amen and amen. God bless you. Stay in your freedom. Amen.